0: Five, text number twenty-nine. If everyone, if anyone wants to uh, get your Bhagavad Gita in some language, then you can go to Bhagavad Gita five twenty-nine. I'll
1: read
0: the Sanskrit now. Yeah. Just as a word, just as a suggestion, if you're not speaking, then you can mute mute your microphone. Radhika, you know how to mute your microphone? Savis como poner en no silencia, silencia, into a microfono? Yeah. Translation and purport by his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta The Prabhupada. The sages, knowing me as the ultimate purpose of all sacrifices and austerities, the supreme lord of all planets and demigods and the ultimate benefactor and well-wisher of all living entities gains peace from the pangs of material miseries. So I'll repeat that again. The sages knowing me as the ultimate purpose of all sacrifices and austerities, the Supreme Lord of all planets and demigods, and the benefactor and well-wisher of all living entities gains peace from the pangs of material miseries the conditioned souls within the clutches of the illusory energy are all anxious to attain peace in the material world. But they do not know the formula for peace, which is explained in this part of the Bhagavad Gita. The greatest peace formula is simply this. Lord Krishna is the beneficiary in all human activities, men should offer everything to the transcendental service of the Lord, because He is the proprietor of all planets and the demigods therein. No one is greater. No one is greater than He. He is greater than the greatest of the demigods, Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma. In the Vedas, the supreme Lord is described as Tam Ishvaranam Param Maheshvaram. Under the spell of illusion, living entities are trying to be lords of all they survey, but actually they are dominated by the material energy of the Lord. The Lord is the master of material nature and the conditioned souls are under the stringent rules of material nature. Unless one understands these bare facts, it is not possible to achieve peace in the world, either individually or collectively. This is the sense of Krishna consciousness. Lord Krishna is the Supreme Proprietor, and all the entities, including the great demigods, are his subordinates. One can attain perfect peace, only in complete Krishna consciousness. This fifth chapter is a practical explanation of Krishna consciousness, generally known as karma yoga. The question of mental speculation as to how karma-yoga can give liberation is answered herewith. To work in Krishna consciousness is to work with the complete knowledge of the Lord as the predominator. Such work is not different from transcendental knowledge. Direct consciousness is bhakti-yoga, and jnana-yoga is the path leading to bhakti-yoga. Krishna consciousness means to work in full knowledge of one's relationship with the Supreme Absolute. And the perfection of this consciousness is full knowledge of Krishna or the Supreme Personality of Godhead. A pure soul is the eternal servant of God as his fragmental part and parcel. He comes in contact with Maya illusion due to the desire to lord it over Maya. And that is the cause of his many sufferings. As long as he is in contact with matter, he has to execute work in terms of material necessities. Krishna consciousness, however, brings one into spiritual life, even while one is within the jurisdiction of matter, for it is an arousing of spiritual existence by practice in the material world. The more one is advanced, the more he is freed from the clutches of maya. The Lord is not partial toward anyone. Everything depends upon one's practical performance of duties in an effort to control the senses, and conquer the influence of desire and hunger. In Krishna consciousness, by controlling the above-mentioned passions, one means factually in the transcendental stage or brahma-nirvana. The Eightfold Yoga Mysticism is automatically practiced in Krishna consciousness because the ultimate purpose is served. There is a gradual process of elevation in the practice of yama, niyama, asana, pratyahara, dhyana, dharana, pranayama, and samadhi but these only preface perfection by devotional service, which alone can award peace to the human being is the highest perfection of life. So if you can, you can at least use your video. Otherwise it looks like I'm talking to a name and it's rather, if it's possible if you if your web or whatever your, the internet connection makes it possible then please turn on your video so I can see your face. Or something, I can see something. Nityananda Chandra, you look like you're in darkness. There you go. Let there be light. And then there was light. Kapila Muni, are you there or is it just the name that's there? Yes, Guru Maharaj, but connection is very bad for
1: this. I stop uh, the video.
0: Sorry. No worries. I guess if you're somewhere where it's not possible, that's okay. So, so let me read the verse again. sarva sharam Suridam Sarva Bhutanam Shanti. The sage is knowing me is the ultimate purpose of all sacrifices and austerities, the Supreme Lord of all planets and demigods. And the ultimate benefactor and well-wisher of all living entities attains peace from the pangs of material miseries. Namo Vishnu Braya Krishna Pristai Bhutai, Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swaini Tenamane, Namaste Sarasutunde Ve Goravani Bacharne, Nirvi Shesha Satarne. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. Here in this verse, Prabhupada is pointing out. That Krishna has three qualities. And according to the our accepting them, we're either in karma yoga, or jnana yoga, or bhakti yoga. In other words, under the spell of the material energy, namely the three modes, when we're in the mode of ignorance, we don't accept Krishna as the controller. We believe as Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, that the whole world is just going on by accident. There is no controller. And just like if you walk into a, into a supermarket or if you walk into a clothing store, just like people in America nowadays, they have what's called uh, when they just, during the riots, when they go and they, they attack a shop and they steal everything from the shop. What is that called? Shop? It's not shoplifting, what do they call that? Black Friday, looting, looting. It seems in America it's Black Friday on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What do they call when the rioting, when the rioters, they break into a store and they take things out of it? Looting. Looting. Yeah, looting. So (laughs) the whole material world is looting. As we come here, we look around, we say, well, there's no one here. Let's steal everything we can. So that's called the mode of ignorance. We don't believe that there is actually a proprietor and therefore everything's up for grabs. Prabhupada gives the example of, uh, well, let's go through the whole analogy. Then there is the in the mode of passion. We believe, all right, there might be a, a proprietor. I don't know who it is, but. There's so many things around here to enjoy. So although I, I offer everything to the proprietor, but I use it for my enjoyment. That's called the mode of passion. And the mode of goodness, we think, yes, there's a proprietor. I'm using things according to his direction, the direction of his representatives. But ultimately, I'm so kind, I'm delivering so many living entities by being a perfect instrument for God. So I should get the credit making so many devotees, distributing so many books, giving so many nice lectures, cleaning so many pots in the kitchen, it's all adding up and God owes me a lot because I'm a great devotee. So this is called the most material nature. In the mode of ignorance, we believe, yes, I am the controller, I'm the Lord of all they survey. And in the mode of passion, we think, all right, it may not be my energy, I don't know who exactly it is, but it's sure nice to, to, to play around with. So that's called, I am the enjoyer. And in the mode of goodness, all right, I recognize as the supreme, easy proprietor, I have to follow his directions, but ultimately I must give so much credit for being such a nice devotee, as being such a nice deliverer of so many living entities. At least subtly I have to enjoy being the deliverer the savior. So these modes of material nature are what bewilders us. Generally speaking, everyone is in illusion. Now illusion came from the very beginning when we decided that I'm going to become, well, illusion generally builds or begins with being bored. Not knowing what we're supposed to do trying to enjoy, you know, looking for some happiness somewhere. Prabhupada said that in the beginning, Lord Brahma created man, and then he had nothing to do. So then he created woman and then he was fully engaged. So that's called the material material energy. That we look around, we think, well, I'm pretty bored. I wonder what there is to do here. And then we say, oh, there it is. There she is, or there there he is, or there it is, or something is. And then we develop attachment for it. That's what I need. Maya says, yeah, that's what you're missing. That's what you need. And then lust comes. Oh, I feel it in my heart. I really feel some love and attraction. And then if we get what we want, and we try to enjoy it and we can get, squeeze a little bit of enjoyment out of it. Then we, we fall in love with it. we become attached to it and we become greedy for more. I want more and more and more. And then when we can't get more for some reason or another, either we ate so much ice cream, there's no more room. It's coming out our ears. Then we become angry. Why? Why is this happening to me? And then we become deluded. It's someone else's fault. I'm such a nice person. It couldn't possibly be my fault. I never do anything wrong. The only thing I ever do wrong is when I think I'm doing something wrong. So this is called delusion. Everyone, as Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, each chadvesha samutena. Vandva Mohenavarata, Saravutani Samoham, Sargeyantiparantava, that all living entities are born into delusion. So it is not that I'm a very fallen person, I'm an illusion, everyone else is fully enlightened, and somehow or another, I'm just a bad person, and therefore I'm an illusion. Well, as soon as we took birth, we were an illusion, except for even Sugudeva Goswami, when he was in his womb of his mother for 16 years, he was also an illusion. He also believed that if he came out of the womb, he might be affected by Maya. So, the being born an illusion, we have naturally interactions, we're trying to satisfy our desire for happiness by looking around for. the in the material energy. So the first thing is that being an illusion, everyone to some degree or another is an ignorance. Everyone to some degree or another believes that their body at least belongs to them. Is free to, they're free to utilize it as they desire. They're, whatever they have that belongs to them, that they think belongs to them, so to some degree they're, they're deserving some happiness from it. And to some degree they take credit for what they're doing. They actually believe somehow or another they're a good person and therefore they deserve credit for whatever they're able to accomplish. So the first one is anger. It arises out of anger, this desire to be the Lord, that we're envious of God, we're angry at Him, that and in the mode of ignorance is anger. That why is God the proprietor? Why shouldn't I be the proprietor? Why do they keep on talking about God? Why don't they talk about me? They don't realize so much is mine today and I'll gain more in the future. So much money do I have and I'll get more and more and more. He is my enemy and I have killed him and all my other enemies will also be killed. I'm the Lord of everything. I'm the perfect, powerful, and happy. So these are all first things. We're angry at God. Why should He be the proprietor? Why shouldn't Why shouldn't He give something to me? Why is He so greedy? Why doesn't He become a little bit more generous? Why does he, he you know relax a little bit and share? Even you know I share with others. Why doesn't He share with us? And then. In the mode of passion we want to enjoy. All right. We, we give up our anger a little bit and we think, all right, let God live in his Vaikuntha airplane or his Vaikuntha planet. Just give me a break. He gave me something. I appreciate it. Well, let me now enjoy it. Even Prashadam, subtly, we can think, well, thanks a lot. You know, Sharira uh, Vijayada. Wait a second, that's too long you're up there and I'm down here, let's eat. This enjoying attitude is there in the conditioned soul since time immemorial due to our tendency to want to enjoy the material world which arises from lust. And because there's lust and and greed and anger, therefore there's delusion. And the ultimate delusion is that I must take credit or as Prabhupada said, the ultimate delusion is impersonalism that yeah, all right, God is, he's there at right, the four Kamaras. They went to visit Krishna and Narayan in vaikuntha They were impersonalists. They believe, yeah, Narayan's there, let's say hello. Let's go and pay him a visit. But at the same time, they believed that they were practically on the same level as Narayan. So when they met the gatekeepers at the door, they didn't think themselves, I'm dasa, dasa, anudasa. They thought themselves, I'm great, we're great Brahmins. The gatekeepers stopped them and they said, Do you know? They, they said, Who are you? And they said, You don't know who we are? You don't know what we've done? You don't know how we got here? You people are in Maya. I curse you. You're pretending to be in the spiritual world, but actually, you're in Maya. You don't know who we are? Let you go down to the material world where you belong. Anyone who doesn't know who we are, they must be in Maya. But when Lord Uri- Ryan came, they realized that actually we just made an offense, that we didn't know who we were. We're accusing these gatekeepers of not knowing who we are and we didn't know who we were either. And now they realize that actually we're supposed to be the servant of the servant of the servants and whatever credit we get is not due to our own prowess It must be due to the fact that we're somehow or another connected with Krishna through his representatives. And that connection means that we're as much as we're serving Krishna's servants, that to that extent we maintain that connection with Krishna's representatives. Without the attitude of servant of the servant, then it's not possible to be actually connected with the servants of the servants. Now the question is, we're in the material world, we're under the spell of the material nature, namely delusion. So what do we do to get out of it? How do I get out of anger? How do I get out of lust? How do I get out of greed? How do I get out of this delusion I'm in? Well, first of all, we should recognize that we're in delusion. The people who are the most deluded are the people who think that they're not in delusion. They think they're enlightened. They think the, their false ego gives them the conception that I am the controller, I am the enjoyer, I am the savior. But when we, when we at least theoretically understand that I'm not this body, I'm not the doer of my activities, it's being carried out either by the spiritual energy or by the material energy. As soon as we recognize that we're an illusion, then there's some pro, then there's some possibility of making some progress, especially by taking shelter of Krishna through his representatives. That when we actually identify ourselves as the servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna, then we can become a servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna. That's why we take initiation. Initiation is not just to throw grains into a fire and then, you know, have a feast afterwards. Maybe get some fruit from the sacrifice and then change our name. And hopefully we threw our sinful reactions into the fire and hopefully the spiritual master doesn't suffer too much when they jump out of the fire into his heart. Now that's not the point of initiation Initiation, the main thing is we're accepting ourselves as the servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna. When we accept the spiritual master, we're not just accepting him as a person who is a devotee, whatever, who also has a spiritual name like we're receiving, and that now we have a spiritual name, he has a spiritual name, and that now we're both equal, practically. But the only difference is because I'm more humble, I bow down. <laughs> he just hasn't come up to the level of humility I have. Therefore, he, I offer respects and he kind of offers respects, but it's, it's not like I'm offering respect. And therefore, you know, maybe one day he'll catch up. No, actually, we're offering respect to the spiritual master. But he's going to teach us how to become the servant of Krishna's service in the succession. How we can give up our false ego of thinking that this body, my mind, my words, anything I have belongs to me rather than should be utilized in Krishna's service. And therefore, the spiritual master gives us instructions what to say, how to say it, who to say it to, what to do, how to do it, who to do it with, etc so that everything we're doing is an offering to Krishna and his devotees. As The quickest way, if someone wants a shortcut, back to the spiritual world, is a very simple shortcut given to us by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. One of them, well, there's a number of shortcuts. One of them is always chant Hare Krishna and never forget him. Always remember Krishna and never forget him. Now, in order to do that, there's another shortcut. Yari deka tari kaha Krishna upadesh amara agaghana guru tana Edesh. That whoever we meet, we should try to serve them by praying to Krishna, because everything is a prayer to Krishna. Pray to Krishna. Please give me the intelligence. What I should say. What I should do how I should say it, how I should do it, in order to help this other soul make progress in their relationship with you, with Lord Krishna. That if we are praying like that, we're desiring like that, if we're trying to act like that, then didami buddhi-yogam tam. Then Krishna will give us the intelligence what to do, what to say, how to say it, how to do it, in order to actually help the soul come a little bit closer to Krishna. Then we're actually utilizing our body, mind, words adequately in Krishna's service. Tat tat atmanas, tat tat avritim one's faith, when one's mind, when one's refuge, when one's intelligence, are all fixed in the Supreme, then one becomes cleansed of all misgivings through complete knowledge and proceeds straight on the path to liberation. And what happens? What do we get from that? Fully engaging ourselves in Krishna's service, do we get a thank you note from Krishna or a you know, special birthday cake from him on our, on our birthday? What do we get from Krishna? We get the vision. We get vision. And what is that vision Sampane, Brahmanigavi Hastani, Shuni Chaiva, Pandita, Then we can see equally, we can see in the heart of the Brahmin, we can see in the heart of the dog eater, we can see the heart of the cow, we can see the heart of the elephant, we can see a soul there along with Krishna, and understand that we're the ser- that if we want to become Krishna's servants, we have to serve them also. We have to treat them appropriately, we don't enter into the lion's cage and embrace the lion as a dear servant of Krishna, but we may offer it when no one's looking a little bit of prasad to the lion or chant Hare Krishna to the lion. So every living entity, it is our meditation how to serve them appropriately. Then we won't think ourselves the proprietor of this body or anything else We'll see everyone and everything in relation to Krishna. We won't meditate on how I can get something from this person because our motivation will be to serve them by helping them become Krishna conscious. And I want to identify myself as the enjoyer or the, or the savior because I'll know, due to the fact I'm connecting with Krishna in disciple succession, due to the fact I'm trying to become the servant of the servant of the servant, Therefore, Krishna is giving me the he's giving me the intelligence. My spiritual master is I'm remembering Krishna is giving me remembrance of my spiritual master and others' authorities, their example, their words, their instructions to me, how I can become a better servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna. Therefore, I know that even if I have disciples, even if I'm giving other people instructions, then I know they're not my instructions. They're actually instructions coming from Krishna and His representatives that the super soul is helping me remember and therefore convey properly to these others. So when I see they're performing service on the basis of those instructions, then I see them as, serve, as actually representing my spiritual master and teaching me how to become a better servant of my spiritual master by their example. So in that way, one will remain free from the false ego of thinking oneself something other than Krishna's servants, the servants of the servants of the servants of Krishna. But that takes some training, some, Sometimes and patience, but if we train with the right conception, if we practice devotional service with the right conception, then Krishna will help us, and gradually we'll become free from the miseries of material existence. Now what for one who's in the divine consciousness or Krishna consciousness. Uh, but one who's not in the divine consciousness, so Krishna consciousness, can have neither controlled mind nor steady intelligence without which there's no possibility of peace. And how can there be any happiness without peace? So if we don't have Krishna consciousness, then we won't know things as they are. We'll think ourselves the proprietors. And if we don't have Krishna consciousness, we don't have enough intelligence then we, might, we will think ourselves to be the enjoyers. So one is the fault of intelligence, the other is the unsteady mind, trying to enjoy. And then, even if we become up to the level of Brahman, we won't have any peace, even in Brahman. Arudya, param pradam tada we'll be dissatisfied, even if we realize we're not this body, we still won't be happy, like Vyasadeva, He was sitting there in the Himalayas, no disturbance, no problem. He didn't even know if there was any problems. He was so far up in the hills, he didn't even hear of any problems. Even if there was problems going on, he didn't know anything about them. And there was no internet, thank Krishna. Even if he wanted to find out what the problems were, he couldn't. It'd take him three days to to walk down to find someone who, who had a problem to find out. So he's sitting there completely peaceful, seemingly, but Narada Muni had to come and say, what's your problem? There's no reason to have a problem. He just compiled all the Vedic literature. He was Brahman realization. He was sitting there in seemingly bliss and Brahman, real, in Brahman bliss. And Naramuni Muni came by and said, I heard you had a problem. What's your problem? And then Vyastadeh realized, yeah, I have a problem. I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. Why is it? So Narada Muni said, because you have not adequately glorified Krishna, you're living in the material world, although you're thinking you're in the spiritual world. You're not quite in the spiritual world yet. And therefore he sat down in meditation and he saw Krishna, bhakti-yogena-manasi, samyak-pranihita-emale, paishat purisham-purnam, chat tadapashrayam. Then he saw Krishna and then he realized that was my problem. That's my main problem. I, wasn't, I didn't accept Krishna as my Lord, as the object of my life. And because I didn't accept that everything belonged to Krishna, and because I didn't accept that everything was meant for Krishna's service, and because I didn't accept that Krishna is my real friend and everyone's friend, and I should become everyone's friend by helping them remember Krishna, because I was just satisfied within myself And I just forgot about Krishna, therefore I couldn't become happy. I couldn't experience love, and therefore without love I was self-satisfied. But self-satisfaction is rather boring after some time, thinking, I am great, I am great, I'm so nice, I'm so nice. After a while you get bored thinking how nice you are. then Then he became ecstatic thinking of how nice Krishna was when he saw how wonderful Krishna was, then he realized that in comparison to Krishna, I'm nothing. And everyone else is quite nice too, when we see them in relation to Krishna. And then he actually became peaceful and happy and he could compile the Shrimad Bhagavatam for us. bhakti yoga So out of compa- when he saw that actually you can come up to Brahman realization and still be missing, the whole point, therefore he took up to Krishna consciousness and he was able to deliver it in such a way as to inspire others to take up the same path also. Other than that, the whole world is suffering because they don't know Krishna, that's the whole problem. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada used to say, the whole world used to have everything they need, of course, who knows what due to greed, people are, there's enough there There's enough for everyone's need, but there's not enough for everyone's greed. Therefore, because of greed, people feel like they're lacking things, and they are. But of course, that we have to understand also, nothing happens by accident. That although people are suffering, we should try to help them. But the real helping them ultimately is not only to help them physically or mentally, it's to help them spiritually. Because even they're in a perfect position, even the people who are greedy, They have a hundred million times more than they need. Still, they're not unhappy either. They need Krishna as much as everyone else. Although it may be difficult to to, uh, convince them of that. Uh, People who are feeling distressed usually are more willing to be open to understand what their problem is. In any case, uh, the real problem is that people are missing Krishna. They think they're missing everything else. They think they're missing enough, being enough of a proprietor or enough enjoyer or enough savior of others. But actually what they're missing is Krishna. And when they get Krishna, then they realize their error and looking for the material energy to gain more material energy or to become, enjoy the material energy more or to save others, become a savior of others and helping them enjoy the material energy in some way or another too. So I'll just read the verse again. The sages, knowing me as the ultimate purpose of all sacrifices and austerities, supreme lord of all planets and demigods, and the benefactor and well wish of all living entities, paints peace from the pangs of material miseries. So I'll just ask you, before I say anything else, I'll just ask are there any questions that anyone has? He's shaking his head. Yeah. Okay. Anyone have a question? Okay, Mukunda. No, I don't have anyone for the moment, Mahārās, Guru Mahārās. Thank you. Was, uh, maybe was was... May,
1: I, I had a question, but I was on mute, so, sorry okay. for that. Uh, so, I wanted to ask you about uh, if you can give some guidelines about management in Krishna consciousness in the, in the ISKCON society.
0: Well, the secret of success in anything, because management means... A Prabhupada writes in the Srimad in the Bhagavatam in the first canto, chapter 5, that etam shushushya brahmams, that the learned pure persons, they they declare that whatever you're doing, dovetail that in Krishna's service, etam shushushya brahmams, that if Prabhupada writes in the purport, if you have a tendency to want to convince others about something, you have some ability to, to convince you have some knowledge, you like to study, whatever, then utilize that knowledge to convince others that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Don't try to convince others that you're actually an intelligent person, that you're something special, that you know something that no one else knows, and unless they're nice to you, you're not gonna tell them. So try instead understand that Everyone needs Krishna. Try to convince them that Krishna is God, that you're not God. Now, someone have, may have a propensity like Arjuna. He was a, he was a Kshatriya, so therefore his propensity was to manage. Even when you're fighting a battle, you have to have so much management. So he had that tendency, but if, at first he didn't like managing for Krishna. He decided that. If I, if I fight in this battlefield and all my warriors and soldiers under my command, they wind up killing my relatives, then I'll be very unhappy because I want to enjoy my relatives. I want to enjoy my situation. I want to get something from this whole thing. I want some special compensation for what I'm doing, etc. But Krishna convinced him that actually everything, will, everything is mine. You should do what I ask you to do. Therefore, he asked Arjuna at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, My dear Arjuna, have you actually been awake during this class? I mean, I know it's been a long class. It's been almost two hours I've decided to speak the Bhagavad Gita. You look drowsy. I'm just wondering if you heard anything. And Arjuna said, yeah, thank you very much for the Srimad Bhagavatam class. Uh, I can't remember what chapter you're reading from, but it was a nice class. No, Arjuna said, no, actually I've been listening. And actually I've been listening. But Krishna had some criteria to judge whether Arjuna was listening or not. Namely that he paid attention and his ignorance and illusion was dispelled. So Arjuna said nashto moha smritir labdva tat prasada maya chuta stito sandeha karise vachanam Yes, now I've heard you nashto moha and my illusion moha and smrit, has gone away and now I remember who I actually am, that I'm the servant of your servants and you want me to fight, therefore whatever you do is good, and I should do it to please you under your directions and therefore I'm ready to fight, even kill my relatives because I know now they're not going to be killed they're eternal and that whatever I do under your command will be beneficial for myself and everyone else and therefore I'm prepared to fight according to your instructions. So even though we may think that I'm a manager, I'm moving people around, we should know who we're moving around. We're moving around Krishna's service. And we should be moved around by the spiritual energy, not by the illusory energy, imagining ourselves that we're independently managing and controlling things. No, Krishna is in our heart. We're on this chariot, and we should always do whatever Krishna wants us to do. We should say to others, we should think about others as Krishna would want us to think, we should say to others as Krishna would want us to speak. We should do things as Krishna would like us to do things. Therefore, we want to imagine ourselves to be the controllers of the material energy and the, the enjoyers of the material energy. So, how to do it though, uh, that takes some intelligence. Probably When he was asked by Giraj, he asked Giraj Maharaj one time, he said, How will the movement go on after my disappearance? And Giraj Maharaj said, well, we'll chant Hare Krishna, Prabhupada. Prabhupada said, "Not very practical. And then Prabhupada said, organization and intelligence. Yes, individually we can chant Hare Krishna. Uh, that will help us personally advance in devotional service. But in terms of managing the society, that takes organization and intelligence. It's not that. It's kind of supposed to stay a... And what do they say? Someone said, I joined the Hare Krishna movement because I didn't want to join an unorganized religion. No, we're not supposed to stay this organized religion. In order to, to become conscious of Krishna and fulfill the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we have to get very good intelligence how to organize this movement. And Prabhupada said one should organize, for instance, individually, one in the 18th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, text sixty-five, Prabhupada writes, one should organize one's own life in such a way that throughout the 24 hours a day, one cannot help but think about Krishna. And then the word the Lord's promises, then we'll be able to go back, then we'll be eligible to go back to the spiritual world. But we have to organize our, this movement in such a way is that the members of the movement and people who come to the movement they'll be able to think about Krishna. So that takes some organization and intelligence that when people come, we should make them feel comfortable. Not that they're looking around trying to figure out where are they? Are they on the moon or Mars? Or where where, where are these, these people? They look strange enough, but what are these paintings? What is this man? What is this lion? Why is he killing that man? What is this all about? Why is this boy offering the lion a Garland? What's going on here? You know, the only picture I can see that makes any sense is this young boy and this girl, they're sitting together hugging each other. (laughs) They, They seem to have some intelligence. So we have to organize things in such a way that when people come, they can understand what we're doing without making try to speculate too much. And then when they come, that they, they're welcomed. And i thought, what are you doing here? You uh, know, I hope you're not hungry because we don't have that much pashatim, and I'm hungry. <laughs> I remember when I, 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 I was living at the University of Buffalo in New York. I was going to the university there. But I come home and in the holidays to visit my parents who lived in Brooklyn. And when I came home, I used to go down to the temple. At that time, it was the first time I came down to the temple was twenty six Second Avenue. But then generally they they moved, so I was generally visiting at tw- uh, sixty one Second Avenue. So it was one Sunday feast, I came, and at the end of the program, they all lined up for prasadam, and all the devotees were in the front, and all the guests, including myself, because I didn't know the the procedure, were in the back. So by the time they got to the guests, the devotees had eaten all the prashadam. And I was hungry, so I went to one of the devotees and complained. Everyone else just left. Probably had disgust. <laughs> and I went up to the devotee and said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty hungry. Don't you? Isn't there anything left? Maybe you can give me a paper plate to eat or something. <laughs> so he took me in the back and gave me some Simply Wonderfuls. That was the only thing left. So we should organize the movement that people feel comfortable they feel like we actually are happy that they're there that we're trying to serve them and that means the devotees also not that you know there's, there's not enough space for you and I in the temple and one of us got to leave and it's not going to be me such an attitude or you know is not going to be very helpful for us are organizing a movement based upon love and trust. So we have to invite people to come and we have to give them what we're promising. You know, we have to give them some warm reception, some atmosphere which is conducive for their being able to hear our philosophy in a way that mean, that's meaningful to them that they might be able to apply in some way in their own lives. And then we also have to offer them the opportunity to associate with other people who are like-minded when they come to that point where they can learn the science of Christian consciousness from others who, might, who are willing and anxious and happy to help them understand the science more deeply for their, because they're actually concerned and they want their benefit. Not that thank you very much for coming to the Hare Krishna movement. We need some more pot washers. You know, I'm sick and tired of washing pots. It's good that you joined and you're you know, three months younger than I am. So you get the honor of washing all the pots. But it's all service Prabhu. But I I want to go on to bigger and better service. Now people should feel they're actually, they're welcome because we're happy that they're engaging in Krishna's service and making Krishna happier. And we're willing to serve them in any way to inspire them and enlighten them how whatever service they're disposed to or they're given, they can do it with more love and devotion. Then we have to make them feel like they're part of the family. They're not just like outsiders, but they're actually part of a spiritual family where everyone is the servant of the servant of the servant. Then people will want to become members of such a family And in such a family atmosphere, people will be ready to render service because people are willing to serve people who love them, who are part of their family. They'll be willing to engage their propensities, their energies in Krishna's service. And when they're doing that fully, then Krishna will give them enlightenment and they'll be able to inspire others and teach others the whole process of why they should come to hear about Krishna how they can apply hearing about Krishna in their lives, how they can uh, help become, serve the devotees, why they should serve the devotees in Krishna, how they should integrate themselves in Krishna's family and how they should also engage their energies to spread the sankirtan movement and serve the devotees, the devotees of the devotees. So that's how we organize our society, bring people in, inspire them to hear about Krishna, inspire them to practice Krishna consciousness, inspire them to integrate into the family of devotees, inspire them to utilize their energies in service to Krishna and to help others do the same thing. So that's good management. But at the same time, we should understand we just don't want to be efficient we just don't want to organize everything so nicely that when everyone sits down, all the prasadama is there that we can imagine and that we can eat and eat and eat and then fall asleep. We can be very efficient for our sense gratification, but if we want to effectively spread Krishna consciousness, we have to have another conception. We have to have a spiritual mood of being, developing that loving atmosphere of being a servant. In the progress of making advanced spiritual advancement for anyone doing any service, the first thing is to accept everything here belongs to Krishna. And the next thing is to accept that everything should be utilized under Krishna's directions and the directions of his representatives. But above that is to understand that not only am I a karma yogi doing everything accepting everything belongs to Krishna, not only a Gani yogi, finding out what Krishna wants me to do, but I'm a bhakti yoga yogi. I'm doing things to please Krishna and his devotees, and therefore I'm very attentive to what is pleasing to Krishna and his devotees, and that's my mood. So always trying to develop more and more of a loving attitude and doing everything with more and more care and attention, not only efficiently with attention, but also carefully with love and devotion. And always remembering that I'm the servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna, never imagining that I'm something other than that. I've attained some position above being a servant of the servant of Krishna. Before I was just a bhakta, then I became, I got initiated, then I got second initiated, then I became a regional secretary, and then I became a G V C. then I became an initiating spiritual master, and what's left? Maybe I'll become a Sakyavesha avatar or something. And one day, who knows, maybe I'll, Radharani will be on the right and I'll be on the left. You always remember whatever service we're doing, is just was as a servant of the servant of Krishna. Anything else?
1: Guru Maharaj, Hare Krishna. Thank you for yes. the class. Um Partasarati Prabhu has a question, please. Okay. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, my Hamblation. Uh um. Uh, um so uh, in the, how can I how can I um, how can I manage my my conscience when I see that there was a, li- a little bit of, of changes from the time of Prabhupada when when he left this world? Management was um, recruiting more local devotees than than um, populating uh, temples with uh, uh, people from Indian backgrounds. Uh, this happens a lot in uh, in the United States in Australia in Europe especially in, in England um, there are not so many local devotees uh, in South America we don't have that problem probably because there is not much money and uh, and in Russia also we don't have that problem we, we have local devotees so and Sheila Prabhupada uh, uh, he, he emphasized that it's uh, recommended to, to make uh, local devotees uh, uh, so, uh, what, what went wrong with the management, that, that the approach now is a little bit
0: different? Well, I don't think we have to worry about what, what went wrong with management. We should worry about what's right with the management and how we can make it better. Thank Krishna, at least there's devotees in the temples in Australia and America. Not that, well, a second, you're Indian. What are you doing here? You should be in India. But Krishna sent these Indians, devotees because he knew unless he sent these Indian devotees, we wouldn't have any devotees or hardly any devotees. So we should be thankful Krishna sent these Indian devotees and to think, well, you're not American or we're not, or Australian, whatever. We're not Australians or Americans either. We're all Krishna servants. But, you know, as far as reaching the quote local population, because when the Indians or anyone else moves to an area, they become part of the local population. It's not that they're not part of the local population. And it just so happens that generally speaking, they're more receptive to Christian consciousness because of their background, because of their piety. So probably the point is we become weak or we've lost faith to a certain extent in the process and the leadership, whatever else. And therefore those who are the most receptive, namely the Indian community because of their piety and their background, they're, they're the ones who are most likely to join our movement. So we should be happy. Otherwise we'd be completely lost. But now we have to utilize their talents, their ability, their piety, and try to understand the process of, of becoming Christian conscious ourselves and the process an intelligent process to reach out to other classes of people so that we can expand the movement. We don't want to lose any of the devotees. If we can, if there are a million devo- Indians in, in in England, for instance, we want a million people to join our temple, plus 5 million or 10 million other people to join too. We want everyone to join. But that will take organization and intelligence. And if we're concerned about that, then we should advance in devotional service, and we should learn, become Christian conscious because that's ultimately will attract others. We may organize things very efficiently, which is necessary, but unless we're Krishna conscious, then we have nothing to offer it to anyone. Unless we can appreciate all the devotees and love them and create a family with the ones who are already there, why will anyone else want to join? If we're not appreciative of the ones that Krishna so mercifully sent to us. Is that right?
1: Thank thank, thank you, Guru Maharaj. Uh, uh, Basically, I was asking you this question because, uh, at least here in Brisbane, there are lots of devotees, senior devotees, who don't come to the temple, who are very, not weak, but uh, a little bit, like I said, on holiday from their spiritual life. So, well, and they, 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 and they don't they don't feel very welcome when they come here, so i don't, I really don't understand so but, you well, should
0: you should welcome them when they come you should make the welcome yeah, no, so nice experience. they'll become addicted to coming just to see you
1: <laughs> well uh, I, I have that experience because the other day I met a couple of devotees that I never met before, and they are here in Brisbane for the last uh, 25 years, but I haven't seen them for ages since well, I came here yeah. send them and so you
0: can see them so you can do give some service to them. Yeah. So, you're fortunate, Krishna is sending you devotees so you can serve, and they're fortunate so that they can take service from you. Everything is being arranged by Krishna. If we want to help people, because everyone's Krishna's eternal servant, whether they're on vacation or not, the whole material world is on vacation from Krishna consciousness. So, if somehow or another they come and we get the opportunity to serve them, then we should try the best we can so they start working again in Krishna's service. That will be by our love and service to them, give them a good example, and they'll be inspired to to also serve Krishna with love and devotion. Otherwise, if we don't show an example of love and devotion, where are they going to learn it from? Everyone wants love and devotion. So if we show the example of it, then they'll become hungry for it. That's how we spread the Krishna consciousness movement and even try to help the others re, uh, regain their participation in the movement. Okay, I think we'll stop there. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.
1: Thank
0: you very much Guru Mahārāj. Glorious to Prabhupāda. Hare Krishna. Glorious to your services. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. We'll Hare to you Hare again Krishna. soon. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.